All right, welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. Today, we have a return, kind of a big deal, Platinum IT Director, John Santi. Welcome back to the show, man. Uh, really happy to have you back. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know John, please search, find, look for him up. Uh, look him up. Look for him up. I can speak English. Uh, on LinkedIn, because uh, he's very active. And the reason why I'm so happy to have you back on the show is you provide so much valuable general leadership, general management leadership information for IT directors that is honestly a work in progress for all of us. So thanks, man. Very happy to have you back. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we were kind of, we were kind of spitballing back and forth on ideas and what we could talk, what we could talk about. And you said you have an una, unapologetic personal life. Now, this una, unapologetic word gets thrown around a lot lately, but why don't we just start there, man? You know, yeah. well, let's go there. What, what does that mean? So for me, one of the things that I kind of came across, and this so much of a work in progress, but through my career and in, in working and at home, that I was giving my work, the better me. It was getting the better pieces of who I was. You know, it was getting that morning energy, the clear head, the, the patience, the, the logic, the thinking, all of that was being given and poured into my work. But then when I came home, I was tired and mentally tired, physically mm. tired. And I wasn't giving the best of me back to my family once I got here. And several years ago, I realized that was something that just needed to change. I needed to figure out a way to flip that script where everybody was getting the good from me. Yeah. But it wasn't allowing any piece of it to completely exhaust and drain me in the process. Yeah. It's almost like you have to detach. Uh, I've, I've had that problem on numerous days, <laughs> on numerous days. And, and I work from home, okay? But sometimes it's just about coming out of the cave and uh, I guess leaving work when, when you leave work. What's the, so what was the, um, th- there could be numerous reasons for that. It could just be maybe, I don't know what the reasons are, but what do you think they are? Uh, around why you know, our, our work selves get the better selves? Is, is, yeah, yeah, I mean, why would you come home and just be, not ready to engage is work still still churning in the background of your head Did, oh, okay yeah. it, it, that's certainly the case and and we've all you know it, it's really easy to blame the little electronic device that we all have in our pockets that allows work to go with us wherever we may be and mm. some senses that that can be a good thing because it, it can allow you that flexibility to work from anywhere well, on the flip side of that, it also lets you work from anywhere. You have to be disciplined mentally. Yes. You know, when they say that uh, social media can cause depression, you know, where you've got this, this disease of constantly checking a Twitter feed or constantly checking, uh, did someone like something or did someone comment on something? That can be problematic. Uh, but... I love it's 
I, I, I love that I can respond to a customer at any, any moment within seconds. That's one of the reasons why people work with me is because I respond faster than anyone else. So the fact that, like you said, I can be anywhere in the world and respond to someone immediately and, and escalates an issue or take care of a ticket, that's, um, that's the benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, but you know, at the same time, like you said, yeah. So, so sometimes, uh, I've even had my older kids when they get real smart and wise and I don't mean wise from the, <laughs> from the perspective of, uh, you know, huge amounts of knowledge, but when they get wise, they like to say, Oh dad, you know, you're just upset right now because so-and-so's internet is down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're not really mad. You're not really mad that I didn't do this. <laughs> they have a good way of pointing out the obvious while trying to do the the redirection. So I've definitely been in the same spot of well, you're just mad because that call went bad or you're just upset because you had a long day and there was downtime and this outage happened and this happened and that happened and there's always truth to that. And there, there's little pieces and, and bits of the knowledge that, especially as they get older, they, they, whether they realize it or not, are sharing with us that if you take the time to listen to it, sometimes it makes a lot of sense. Mm, mm. So anyways, any tips or tricks, and it's, it might be easy for us to say because we come home to a family, we come home to what's going on, but other people might not be coming home to a family. They might be, uh, I don't know might be going through a divorce. They might not have a family to come home to. They might be younger. They might be millennial generation. There's numerous endless, uh, um, you know, scenarios here. Um, but what's anything just in general, as far as detaching and staying focused or anything that you've, you know, come across? Of course there has to be that honesty. You, you have to, without you know, going down some cliche road, you've got to have that in the mirror moment of, okay, what's really important to me? One of the things that for me was a very crystal clear problem was having that, that phone in my hand and being able to check those work emails and work chats and all of those things all the time. And yeah, I actually picked up a, a really quick, easy to read book. It was called How to Break Up with Your Phone. And I read through that and it's all these things that as you are reading it, you are like, mm. oh, that's, that's common sense. Mm. And you down and you look at what you're doing yourself and you're not doing any of those things. Mm, I love it. How to break up with your phone. That instantly. And I did this, this was several years ago that I went through that book. Mm. Out of time that I got back in my day without it negatively affecting my work performance, I was still answering people when they needed it. I was still getting things taken care of mm. well at the time, but I was getting time back at home. Hold on. I need to pull out my phone to go to my notes section (laughs) (laughs) to type in how to break up with your phone. Um. (laughs) Speaking of that, I started reading physical books again. It made me put the Kindle down and the iPad down. I wasn't reading Mm. electronic formats anymore where those other distractions were available. Mm. So even though I wasn't changing the habit, I was still reading books I changed how I was feeding that good habit, which had a very positive result as well. Mm. Yeah, there's a thing with a library, a physical library. I'm a, uh, I have a problem when I go into particular bookstores of my personal liking. Um, 
And my friends sometimes say, give me your wallet. Like I went to this bookstore last week. My friend was smart enough to say, give me your wallet. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> but um, the thing about books too is, this is one little trick I learned, which is to write the date down in the cover of the book when you started reading it. You know, and I, and the reason why is because I'll, I'll be a chronic start a book, pick up another book, then pick up another book and then pick up another book. That's of a subject of, um, versus taking that, absorbing the knowledge, taking the notes, highlighting it, going through it and really implementing the information that I'm taking, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about like, you know, books that are of use. I'm not talking about, you know, romance novels or whatever the heck else. I don't know what of fiction, you know, not that that's, I used to be a fan of, you know, science fiction back when in, in high school and stuff. You we know? certainly have a place. Most we won't get in the nerd. We won't go to the nerd stuff right now, but <laughs> although it would be as appropriate. Um, but, you know, stuff that matters. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up. And I remember going to an exercise years ago, back in the Starbucks years when I took a Franklin Covey course. And like the very first part of the course is going through your mission statement and out lining your values like what are your top five values right what is a value to begin with what even is it and then the roles that you play in your life right like you and i are a father like that's one of the roles we play um if your parents are still alive you're a son that's that's a role that you play right you're a I don't know, IT director, boss, whatever it is, this is a role that you play. And then going through what are the highest, how do the values attached to that role? And I'm just, I, sometimes I take these things for granted, um, but how many of us have really outlined our, our top five values and character traits and ensuring that we, we are doing our best to exemplify those on a daily basis? Like a knowledgeable person, how often do we seek knowledge or maybe maybe trust is important? How often are we, you know, exemplifying, you know, trust, uh, these various different things? Um, Very much. Well, one other resource that I would recommend to folks, and it's most people have read this from a, a business point of view, but the Four Disciplines of Execution book, mm-hmm. look at that one, not from a business perspective, but read it again from a whatever else is important to you in life perspective, be it your family, your artistic adventures, whatever else it is, you know, beyond just the work and realize that this goal setting mentality and and working towards that and measuring towards that applies just as equally to those pieces of your life as it does to any business pursuit that you have. So, so does. And when it falls apart, everything falls apart. Uh, just, um, I know we were talking before the phone about just so everything that's happened this year and everyone's going to remember 2020, you know, everyone's going to remember this year and what they went through. And not only did I just go through the normal whole world going through some kind of crazy pandemic, but I also went through a house move. Uh, my parents selling, helping my parents sell their house, my dad going through cancer, my mom going through, you know, a really bad, you know, really dementia kicking in. Uh, so there's no way that I will forget this. Uh, but through that whole thing, your normal, I don't know, we get into rhythms, right? But my normal rhythm was completely shot. Everything was just done, you know, from how we keep the house clean to starting the kids in school in the morning to, you know, and I'm sure this is, I'm sure this rings true with a lot of people. 
Um, and just, I, I'm just now feeling like to calm down. And, and there'd be days where I was just like, you know, screw it, kids, like grab the surfboards. We're just going to go down the beach and go surfing. And like, you know, I feel like there was at least two or three months where it was more surfing than anything else. And, uh, I would, I will not take that back. <laughs> I will not take that back for anything. In all this insanity, it really did open up some good opportunities to do some things like that. There were, there were days where, you know, at lunchtime, I was jumping in the pool with the kids. That, you know, that doesn't happen in real life, air quotes going right now. And days when, you know, the, the kids would be trying to do their, their homeschool and it's just like, nope, we're not going to do this. We're going to go outside and do something. Even though we can't really go anywhere, we're going to go outside. <laughs> yeah. Create yeah. these new opportunities and these new uh, normal, I guess. And uh, not, not all of it has been a negative thing. No, no. So with that being said, to segue, I'm looking at the Scotch Thermal Laminator right now <laughs> with lamination pads. And I am making the morning to-do list. I'm going to put this on my back on my phone, <laughs> uh, the, the morning to-do list, the nightly to-do list, and all of these things with uh, the to disciplines of execution, I guess you could say, for the household so that I can get things back on track because so many things, so many things just got thrown off. Um, so, so, yeah. Okay, so we've got, we've got how to break up with your phone, the four disciplines of execution. Um, what do you think... And that, you know, some of our other our talking points were, um, you know, we talked about the dad thing and, and, and uh, well, what was so unapologetic? What was so unapologetic? I don't know if we really knew what's been so unapologetic about your personal life. The fact that you're jumping in the pool and I don't care, like get mad at me for jumping exactly. in the pool. I used to, any time that I was taking away from the professional side, I felt like I needed to apologize because it took me 10 minutes instead of two minutes onto an email. I felt like I need to apologize because I was going to the kids' soccer game instead of being at something else. And I realized, no, that you can be an incredibly effective leader, technical person, whatever the professional aspects are. You can be incredibly successful at that and still do these other things that are important to you. And you don't have to apologize for those things being important. Right. You just got to delegate. <laughs> I'm the king delegator. Uh, um, but no, uh, being seriously, of, of course. And so, I mean, but it does come, to, it does come down to, I mean, how do, how do you delegate? Do you feel like, uh, do you think that's an important task? Like, obviously for any leader to learn to, to let go and delegate things? It, it's critical. And I was awful at it early in my career. You know, I was so into... I like doing things. I want to be the one who does it. You know, a little bit of control freak. I'm, I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> Giving that away and realizing that I'm now part of these teams with amazing talent on them, <laughs> I need to be letting them do what they're really good at. Uh, it's such yeah. a trait of a good IT leader too because most IT leaders, you know, it could be like, I'll just shut down the firewall if you fire me and take all the passwords. <laughs> oh, goodness, that would be... <laughs> That's the opposite extreme of the other, right? But a good IT leader should be to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter if I leave. It doesn't matter if I just, you know, whatever, die in a fiery inferno someday. Uh, I had a, you know, a great leader, leader on one of my teams who, he gave me a great reminder. It was just a few weeks ago. He's like, hey, just as a reminder, 
You don't need to be in the weeds. We need you to see the whole field. Let us worry about the weeds. I'm like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be the guy with the analogies and you just killed it with that. Thank you. You're like, thank you. (laughs) I don't know. That was like, that's back to like one of your kids saying, you know, dad, you're just mad because. (laughs) Exactly. He was like, he was doing the right thing. (laughs) He was like, you know, first praise then give feedback, and then end it with praise again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that's very hard for uh, leadership to do, and mainly because you're a human, is to acknowledge other people for a job well done or to acknowledge people that is something you might take for granted. Look, they're just doing their job every day. They're doing it well. They do this very, very, very well. And what what's the key to that? Because I think acknowledging people, praising them, giving awards out, um, just in general, smiling at someone, saying thank you, all of these things we forget to do because it's like get up and execute, do the best job that we can. Uh, Americans in general are about execution and success and this crazy, endless <laughs> hamster wheel of success um, that a lot of times we would get more out of life by just helping other people uh, get what they want. So maybe I said too much, but uh, what about the acknowledgement? What are we doing to acknowledge our people? I, I'm so fortunate. I can't take any of the credit for this skill. This I got directly from both of my parents because both of them modeled this behavior the entire time I was growing up. And it was exactly that. It was mm. giving the credit where the work was done. And that included, you know, if you did the work, it was okay for you to have the credit. But when somebody does something good, when somebody does something that's noteworthy, worth you know, a good accomplishment, Give them that feedback, give them that credit. And having that modeled for me growing up made transitioning that piece whenever I became a leader one of the more effective early tools I had in my toolbox. I I gave out that praise and it really helped uh, energize and engage the teams. So how did your parents do it? That's a great question. Maybe I need to sit down and ask them how they found the, that, what, what led them. That's a perfect example of me asking the wrong question. And <laughs> you ask the wrong, if you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong, you get the wrong type of answer or something. All right? So now we're exemplifying. Sorry. What did your parents do? How did they give praise? Can you remember specifically a time like that you were just like, wow, that felt so good that dad or mom said that to me? So my mother was a teacher, and I can recall... <laughs> now we know why. Okay, multiple teacher. <laughs> times, well, I, I would be stuck at the back of the faculty meeting doing my homework while she was in there, and I would hear her and some of her colleagues complimenting each other for something that they did, an idea that they came up with. Mm. You know, in, in the education world, that's, it's just tough to begin with. So to hear them putting that praise onto each other was a great modeling. Then when I got a little bit older, I worked during my summers and time off at the factory where my father worked and he was a line foreman at that factory. And he always in the morning meetings would give credit to his teammates who had done something, you know, they fixed a piece faster than the book said it should have been fixed or they found something and corrected it before it became a problem. Mm. 
would have been really easy for him as the operator of that machine to take that credit, and he never did. He always gave it to the team member that deserved it. You know, he modeled it in that way. Mm. This is reminding me of like how to win friends and influence people, um, which was a hard book for me to get through, to be honest with you. Uh, but some certain things, certain things uh, pop out to me. I had to stop and restart that one a couple of times as well. And that, that's one that I probably need to pick back up again. It's been some time since I've looked through it. Yeah, I don't know why it was. It just, it just was. And it's one of those ones that, you know, that and Napoleon Hill that people always throw out there that just, I don't know, none of the Napoleon Hill stuff really did it for me. I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, any other great books you've read lately? Oh my goodness. I, I've actually put my nose back down in some of the technical world. So I've put the the leadership books and the social and societal books kind of often. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple of months since I've picked up one of those and, and read them. Okay, fine. What's the technical stuff? Oh my goodness. I, I have put my nose back into the security world. That just again and again and again, we're seeing that it doesn't matter what your role as a technical leader is you must understand all aspects of security and how it applies to all the different facets of IT, the development side, the infrastructure side, the customer support side. Mm -hmm. Security just is a blanket over all of that now, and you've got to keep up. And I've made that commitment to getting myself back up to where, as a leader of those teams, I need to be so that I can converse with them at a correct technical level and I can then translate that into business speak in a way that the business leaders can understand yeah. those initiatives need to be taken care of. Do you listen to David Sparks' uh, CISO series uh, podcast? Sporadically. That's unfortunately podcast time is one of the things that I had to limit whenever I looked across the board at all the other things that I was doing. No, I got you. I just, I know a lot of the security leaders say that the, one of the reasons why they like his podcast so much is it helps them like learn and implement it and get different pieces. It's the only reason why I say that, you know, I'm an audio guy. I can read a book, but I can only read so fast and I can't reread. I can reread. I just don't reread a book again. I mean, I guess I should. Is there any book that I reread a bunch of times? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, mostly sales books. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, um, you know, some writing books, uh, just because I was an English major. But, but okay. Um, yeah, security, such, a, such an... To me, I stay away from it because it's so... It's, it's so you know, I, I stick to telecom and internet, and yes, there's a security piece to that. Uh, but the security, the security world in general, is a an ocean of it, it's growing so fast and, and changing every day. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. I can't imagine the the vulnerabilities and and uh, weight on your shoulders there. Do you, do you guys have a um, do you guys have a security specialist or anyone? Um, you know, do you have a spot on the team for that? I am very fortunate. Despite having a smaller team, I do have someone whose primary focus is security, which is fantastic to have. Mm -hmm. You've hit one of the key things out of all of this is you can make things really secure and completely unusable. So being usable with still not opening yourself up to vulnerabilities, Uh it's almost an art form to be honest, to, to get that balance where, you know, 
this idea of, you know, why do you lock your car when you, you know, park in a parking lot somewhere where you're hoping that you'll be just a little bit more of a difficult target than one of the other people who didn't. And you have to embrace this IT security almost the same way. Of, I just want to be that much more difficult than everybody else so that we're not the target. And staying that step ahead while not making it impossible for your people to get work done. Yeah. You just reminded me of like a war movie where you're in a submarine down below and there's, you know, depth charges coming down and a part of the submarine's kind of blown up and water's going through and there's people running through the like little, like, you know, the door hatches and they're shutting the hatch to prevent water to come into the other section. Um, that's my, that's my metaphor for this. Yeah, there's a similarity to that. And you hit on one of the subsets of the entire genre, which is mitigation. If you do get compromised, well, how do you limit that compromise to the smallest possible footprint? That's a whole subset of the entire conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Outstanding. So for everyone listening out there, in this um, 2020 year that we've gone through for IT directors, what I mean, do you have any any piece of advice for that, that's been I don't know heartwarming during this year, or, or uh, <laughs> any 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 piece of advice or anything that would be you know really helpful? It's it's not so much advice as it has been a way of looking at things. This has really provided me a lot of motivation. Thinking of IT people as, and not to get too Mr. Rogers here, as the helpers. Through all of this chaos that we've been through, professional world, education world, mm-hmm. we of the IT side of this have been there just doing our best to be helpers. You know, we're, we're not frontline emergency responders, but we're helping them. You know, we're not frontline salespeople, but we've been helping them continue to do their job. And they, you know, we're not the professors in the university, but we've been doing our best to help them teach their classes. And each way and each time that we go across all of these different areas, uh, I keep hearing people talk about, well, we were a helper. We, we got to be there and help them out. We were a little speck of normal in all of this abnormal. And that has been such a, an engaging and energizing way to think about what we've been doing here in our mm. universe, the IT universe. Well, you do, have a, you do have a place when disasters hit and when, um, you know, as far as business continuity goes. And, and keeping systems up and running. And you do have a, a place for making everything go smoother, faster, better. So from that standpoint, it's, I mean, you, you kind of are on the front line with, with the telephone, you know, calling in the, calling in the airstrike, so to speak. There are some certain areas, and yeah, the, the telecom people specifically have been so critical in all of this to keep Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> telecom, telecom, what? Those people, uh, yeah. <laughs> kick that guy out of here. Um, no. Um, so what, so for it guys out there, should they, um, you know, we've got people looking for work. We've got people that, um, I don't know, their, their entire atmosphere has changed in general. Um, you know, what's their, I guess where's the where's the glimmer of hope? Not that there's any not that there's any darkness around here, but 
You know, where's the, where's the glimmer of hope for everybody? Network, network. There, there's people like you and I that are out there, and there are people with much broader footprints than, than we could even think about having that are just looking for ways to help those that have a need. You know, we're, we're trying to help find the companies that we know and work with that have open positions and link them up to the individuals that we know are good talents. Yeah. Get out there and talk to people and helper out there for you too. And I'm going to say this then, and this is the first time I'm not going to say talk to every sales guy out there, but there's a lot of salespeople that call on you every day. And they got the sales guys that are calling on you, believe it or not, are technical salespeople. Well, kind of, they have sales engineers. I, that used to be my joke. Like, why does the sales engineer exist? The sales engineer exists because he makes sure that all the dumb things the sales guy says, he doesn't say, or he corrects. Um, but anyways, the they all have huge networks of technical, um, like you said, large networks. And it, you'd be surprised at how easy one of the sales guys at one of these technology companies can get you a job somewhere. The sales engineer job, I think, is vastly, the sales engineer is a pretty sweet job. So if there's any IT directors out there that, I don't know, maybe your company went under or you're looking for a job or something like that, the sales engineering position is not that bad. You know, if you want to make, I don't know, 140,000 a year and, and sit back and, and talk with other IT directors and, you know, talk about a product or something. It's not a bad job for anyone that's out there looking for a job right now. And there are a ton of sales engineering positions out there. There are. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't talked about those, but they really do exist. And then, yeah, that's, you know, we were, we were chatting about it earlier. There's so many open positions that, they they think they can't find the right people, and then there's so many people that think they can't find the open positions. It just it's like the job, it. yeah. It's the job that you get to like just talk about technology. It's all the fun parts of technology with none. I don't want to say none of the responsibility, but a lot less of it. <laughs> um, John, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, uh, been been uh, great as usual. Just to, just to summarize for people, so they can have a they can have a takeaway. Right? How to break up with your phone. That, that's the book. And the other one was Four Disciplines of, of uh, Execution. And, those two, uh, yep, apply those to your personal, not just your business side of things. And yeah, you'll get great results from them. Man, thank you so much for being on the show. Have a, well, I guess have a wonderful rest of this year here. And uh, let's see what happens in 2021. Maybe, maybe it's just going to be a, an, another blur and we're just going to also, you know, it's just going to kind of meld together. But uh, I have a feeling we're going to be turning the corner here. Whatever it is, normal will never be the same. Uh, that's true. <laughs> Can we come up with a new term for new normal? I'm really tired of new normal. Maybe we should just say, yeah, I get just, it. Just reality. <laughs> <laughs> Man, th hey, thank you again. <laughs>